0: If you would take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 1, anybody have a testimony they want to share this evening before I start rambling? You know, I if you watched the service this morning and I had somebody, not anybody that's here, but somebody sent me a text and said, it's good, but you forgot to take the button out of your mouth. <laughs> he has teased me about that before. And if you've never heard of that, you know, they, they say if you're long winded, it's because you know you put a button in your mouth and not a cert. You know, when the cert runs out, then you quit preaching. But if you put a button on your mouth, you never stop. <laughs> and I said, Well, and I put a text back with a smiley face and said, Well, you didn't have anywhere to go anyway, right? <laughs> So anyway, anybody have a testimony tonight? <clears throat> Amber. Uh, I just want to praise the Lord for how he's um worked out things with the house you know, and things in our lives just very specifically. Um, it was a blessing. Amen. He shouldn't have to move over Christmas, right? (laughs) Yeah. All right, anyone else? Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophysis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. To the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Being assembled together with them, commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. And to be baptized with the Holy Ghost simply means to be empowered by the Holy Ghost, not some mystical thing. Uh, simply means empowered, which we'll see. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, <clears throat> Excuse me, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Do you shall receive power? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. <clears throat> so tonight the message is the, the program for the church, the program for the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for... Your love and your mercies, thank you for the opportunity we have to meet together and to open your precious Word. I pray that we'd be encouraged, again strengthened, and challenged from the Word of God tonight, and help us to be doers, the Word, not hearers only. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. You know, as we kind of almost conclude our um, church standards of conduct for for light workers at Lighthouse Baptist Church, and again there are some of these back there on that table. If you've never signed one uh, and you'd like to do so, they're back there. And uh, But anyway, <clears throat> number five, it says, be faithful witness to evangelize the lost, to seek to bring people into the fellowship of the church. And it gives a couple of scripture passages, Matthew chapter 28 being one of them. And so as we think about this tonight, you know, this is the program of the church. You know, Jesus is instructing them what they are, disciples are to do or are to continue to do. You know, this was something that Jesus began. Jesus began, his ministry was, again, his ministry was about making disciples. Making disciples. That, that is the program for the church. It's not just, it's not just soul winning. Seeing people uh, make professions of faith. That, that's not really the program of the church. It is part of it, but it's not the complete program of the church. You know, five times in the scriptures it gives us, uh, commands us concerning this, um, the most probably the uh, self-explanatory passage concerning this is in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, where it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. I'd be teaching them concerning the doctrines of salvation and baptizing them, to establish a church, and then teaching them to observe all things. This is discipleship. Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And again in Mark, it says so this is mentioned five times or spoken of five times in the scriptures. Mark sixteen, fifteen, and sixteen. He said to them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Uh, in Luke. Chapter 24, verses 46 and 47. He said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And ye are to testify of these things. And also then in John, chapter 20, <clears throat> verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And, you know, the, the Father sent Jesus in the world to make disciples of men. Uh, to make disciples of men. And, and this is what we see, this is a pattern that's taught throughout the Scriptures, is to make disciples of men. This is the command to the churches. It's the program. It's not just to win souls, but to make disciples disciples and it's it's the work it's to be the main focus of the church throughout the whole world throughout all ages as long as there are churches until the lord calls us home and so it is to make disciples of men and and you know some some have the idea you know we just we just need to get them saved get them saved get them saved well, if your focus is on just getting people saved, as we have seen through the last 30, 40, 50 years in fundamentalism, you get a lot of false professions. I remember Dr. Forney saying one time, several years ago, that when he went to the Arctic, he learned something real fast. It's impossible to disciple an unconverted professor. You see his methods, and of course he was taught like many of us. You know, you you lead them through the Romans Road kind of thing, and you get them to pray a prayer, and 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 they make this profession. And you know, in in our country, uh, which was which had a Christian. Uh, heritage somewhat and you know the bible was taught in schools people were taught to fear god and and so there was a background upon which you could begin people believed in god you know the average person on the street 50 years ago almost everyone believed in god believed that god created the world believed that someday they're going to have to stand before god they believed that and so you had a basis from which to to start and, and give the gospel, there was, a, there was a fear or reverence for God, that's gone today. When Brother, Brother Forney went to the Arctic, that wasn't there either. And so he began to use the same kind of soul-winning methods he used in, in, in Ohio when he started a church there. And, and what he found out was, you know, these people made professions, but they continued to go to the bar. The lady continued to be a prostitute. And he started thinking, something is wrong here. And he began to study the scriptures, and and he he began to change his methods of, of, instead of trying to just get converts, he started to try and get disciples, to make disciples of men. And, And so he learned to to thoroughly examine and teach repentance and all those things as as we do through uh do now and you know uh people need to understand who God is what sin is the need, need of repentance and so this is the program of the church uh we're to go into all the world and all that world includes every christian every christian in their own personal world and of course, this command is giving to the churches in particular. Of course, churches are made up of people. And and, and we're to, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, and we'll see that in Acts chapter 2, they, they were empowered. And, and so by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're to go into all the world, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. You know, we, we call this, of course, missions. And this is why we support missionaries, so that we can uh through ministering and fellowshipping together and communicating by giving, we can go into other parts of the world with the gospel through, through the ministry of other people. So this is the, the church's mission. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, we notice that when the disciples uh, were scattered because of the persecution that arose about Stephen, in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, says, Saul was consenting unto his death, that is, Stephen's. At that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered abroad throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So the apostles weren't scattered. It was the people that were scattered. And, and it says, and devout men carried Stephen to his barrel, made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word they these people though they got scattered and chased out of jerusalem uh for witnessing to the truth wherever they went they continued to witness to the truth witness concerning christ so so you know these were the members of the church at jerusalem and as they're scattered they continue to give out the gospel to people they meet in their own world and so this is the program or this is the mission of the church uh, the message is again, is is the Lord Jesus Christ in Acts chapter one verse eight says, "But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me." Unto me. You know, our goal is not to build a church. It's to make disciples. If our goal is to build a church, we'll build an empire. I mean, we we can build a church. But if it's, if it's not if Christ in the center of it, it can become a social club. You know, if we're, if we're making disciples, you know, the purpose to make disciples is, is, is not just to build a church, but is to take the gospel into all the world. That means you're going to endeavor to teach people to take the gospel wherever they live. But not only that, but teach people so that some may take the gospel other places. This, the, there's a multiplication here taught in the scriptures. Both in Jerusalem, Judea, and this is what happened, as they taught the people, these people started taking it to other places. You know, sometimes that means people will be sent out. You know, this isn't the right word because it sounds negative, but they're going to leave you. They're not really going to leave us. They'd be sent out. You know, the Francis never really left us. They're still members of Lighthouse Baptist Church, though they're not here. But what they are is they, they've been sent out by us to go to take the gospel in our place to Taiwan. So, you know, and of course, we have fellowship together with other churches um, uh, and, and, you know, through, through the missionaries. Uh, you know, through Calvary Baptist Church. They have sent out a missionary to, to, to uh, Russia, the Joneses. So we fellowship together with Calvary Baptist Church to, to send the gospel to Russia and, and other places as well. So this is, this is where, where to bear witness unto me, the testimony of Scripture concerning Christ, who Christ is. People need to understand who Christ is. We're a witness of him, that he is the Son of God, the only begotten, the unique, one of a kind. Son of God, the God man. That he was God as he said in in John 8:58 before Abraham was I am. You know, the, 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 even the disciples struggled with this, you know, in in John chapter 20 and verse 28 uh you know it 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 makes you wonder about Thomas, what he really understood, or what was he convinced concerning the person of Jesus. If you notice in verse 28, when, when, when Jesus appears to them in, in verse 27, Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. You know, I think it really just hit home real good. To Thomas, this is my Lord. This is my God. He actually rose from the dead, proving that he is God. I don't have any doubts about it anymore. He was thoroughly convinced. You see, this is the person that you and know I need to witness of. That he is the Lord, the master. It speaks of Christ supremacy uh, he is God uh, we need to witness to the fact of the, of his death burial and resurrection in 1st Corinthians 15 Paul spoke said that he he declared unto them the gospel and in verse 3 of 1st Corinthians 15 it says for I delivered unto you first of all that which also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and they rose again a third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain of this present, but some are fallen asleep. And he says, "This this is the gospel which I preached unto you in verse 1. So he's declaring to them that in proving that Jesus Christ is God, that he rose from the dead, he had power to give life. He has power over death. And he is the only one. That so says this morning, He is the only acceptable sacrifice for sin. He's the only one that can give you life, eternal life. You know, as you think about our world tonight, many people think there are many ways to God, even in what is called Christian circles baptism, good works. Confirmation, you know, you name it. People think there's other ways to God. No, there's only one acceptable sacrifice for sin. That's not your good works. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And of course, we see that the purpose for His death, burial, and resurrection for, was to pay for our sin. That uh, again, there in First Corinthians 15. Uh, it says, For I delivered on you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to Scriptures. Again, he's making a distinction between Christ and us. You know, it was our sin that put him on a cross. It was our sin for which he died. He didn't die for his own sin. Uh, he died to put away Sin by the sacrifice of himself. And baptism pictures that surrendered will of the Son of God. You know, really, when Jesus was baptized, what he was telling the nation of Israel is, I'm the one who's going to die. You know, he was buried in water, just like you and I do, when we, when we follow the Lord in baptism, and baptism signifies we're, we're dying to self and resurrecting to new life. And Jesus was telling the nation of Israel, look, I'm going to die or your sin. But I'm coming back out of the grave with life for all who believe. It, of course, speaks also of his surrendered will to the Father. And so, this is the message it's Christ. Our motive, or our incentive, or our cause, is the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, if you notice in verse 8, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, under the uttermost part of the world. You know, and notice, at, at this point in the Scriptures, the power here is still spoken of as future ye shall receive. And we know from the rest of the book of Acts here that this happened in Acts chapter 2. They received the power. They were, as, as he says in um, uh, verse 4, that and he being assembled together with them, commanded them they should not depart Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, and that they would be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence, uh, one of the gospels said they would be. In, you will be endued with power. So, so this was the. This is the 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 motive or the incentive or the cause. They were to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. They were they were to wait until that time. In fact, in verses thirteen and fourteen. Of Acts 1 it says, When they were come in, they went into the upper room, where both, both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zlotus and Judas the brother of James, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. So, so they went into this upper room and they didn't go anywhere. They didn't go out and witness in the streets. They waited. Jesus told them to wait until they'd be endued with power. You know, this demonstrates to us that we cannot, we cannot do these things in our own strength. You know Peter tried to rely on his own strength. He pulled out a sword to defend the Lord, cut off the servant of the high priest's ear. That was the work of the flesh. And he was rebuked for it. And then he ended up denying the Lord three times. They all, you know, trusting in themselves, decide they're going back fishing. John chapter 21. And so Jesus told them look, you wait. You wait. Don't you try to do what I've commanded you in your own strength. You wait. And, of course, he foretold them what would happen. In John chapter 16 and verse 7, you know, this is in in the garden before he is taken, arrested. He's speaking to the disciples. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. Again, the Comforter is the Holy Spirit. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come... He will approve the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Do you know your human reason convinced or convince of their need of Christ or their need to be to repent? It's the Holy Spirit that does it. Now He uses us. And this is why Jesus told the disciples, you wait until you are empowered. With the Holy Spirit, because it's the Holy Spirit that's going to convict them, the world, of their sin, of righteousness. They need to be made right with God. And of judgment that they are going to be judged by God. See, it's the Spirit of God that does that. It's not our convincing arguments. But you know, God can give you wisdom by His Spirit to present a convincing argument. Argument from Scripture. We know there was a man in the Bible, uh, Apollos, and it says he mildly convinced the Jews. In other words, he, he, had, he was a master of the Scriptures. In fact, some people believe that he could quote most of the Old Testament. So he could show from the Old Testament Scriptures to the Jews how Jesus was their Messiah. And he was very convincing. But again, it wasn't him. It was the Spirit of God working through him. Even as Paul says in second or 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 3 through 5. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 3 through 5 he says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So my speech, he says, was in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. In chapter five, again in verse four. He says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together and my spirit with you, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, if if these things aren't done in the power of Christ, they are vain. They're empty. And so we need to to be endued with power. We need to have the presence of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God needs to be able to work through us. That means we need to be walking in fellowship with the Lord. Communicating with the Lord. You know, they were to pray and wait for the Spirit. Somebody said, quote, Prayer alone makes it possible for us to be taken hold upon by divine dynamics. Unquote. Again, that's prayer is really communing with God, with the Spirit of God. And so this is the this is the cause, this is the power behind the disciples' ministry. And we see this illustrated it again in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Verse 14 says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary. The mother of Jesus and with his brethren. So that word continued means they they gave constant attention to. This is what they gave constant attention to. They weren't they weren't they weren't consumed with you know how many people they were going to win to the Lord in the next few days. No, they were consumed with prayer. This is what Jesus told them to do. They were to wait till they were empowered. They received this power, and so the, until they. Until that day happened, they continued. They, this was the, the thing that they, they set their hearts on. They spent their time doing, you know, you know that, uh, I'm not saying they spent 24-7 in prayer. You know, I'm sure they took time to prepare food and eat, you know, and, 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 and studying the scriptures, but, but they were in a mindset of continual prayer. And seasons... A focused prayer. First you know, Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. We ought to be in a mindset of communi- communicating with God by His Spirit. All the time. After all, Psalm 20, 27 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. Except the Lord keep the city. The watchman be but in vain. And so, you know, in John 15, 5, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. So, there was prayer. And then we see the power in Acts chapter 2. In verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. You know, they were still continuing in this prayer, this is where they were. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven of as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of a fire that set upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And of course, so they began to, to speak. And of course, this goes on down through verse 12 and it names the names of the languages or tongues. It's just a language, known languages that were present. And it says in verse 11, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were amazed. All amazed, and we're in doubt, saying one another, What mean is this? You know, this is, this is so unusual. This is, this, is, this is unbelievable. Here's these men who are all, you know, most of them are Galileans. They're all Jews, and they're, they're speaking our languages. They're preaching the Word of God in our languages. How can this be? Well, you know, I mentioned this morning that faith accomplishes the impossible. They believed what Jesus said. They continued with one accord in prayer, seeking for what he had promised, believing that they could only do the work of God that he commanded through that promise that he gave, the power of the Spirit. So they waited until it came. So these men were led by the Spirit or controlled by the Spirit in their speaking. Verse 6, now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one another, Behold, are not all these Galileans which speak? And how we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. But, and so God gave, you know, how, how did this happen? I don't know. I don't know I'm just reading what's here what's recorded for us Luke says by many infallible proofs but God gave them wisdom as to what to say how to speak in other languages just as When we walk with the Spirit, God can give us understanding in how to answer every man for the reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. You see, these men had spent time communing with the Lord, and when the Lord empowered them, they were able to speak the mind of God. To witness of Christ. You know, as we commune with the Lord through his word and through prayer, God fills our hearts and minds with his truth. And that enables us then the Spirit to be able to take those truths and use us as a witness of Him. To every man. You know, there was there was you know, of course, we, we see here the prominent figure is Peter. But I believe there was personal witnessing by all. If you notice in in, in verse 14, it, you know, often we say, well, you know, Peter preached this message. Yeah, he did. But he is the only one that spoke on the day of Pentecost. It, it says, it, if you think about this, verse 7. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one another, Behold, are not all these which speak... Galileans so it wasn't just Peter that spoke on the day of Pentecost I mean you, I, I don't know how many millions of Jews would have been in Jerusalem the day of Pentecost and different languages from different parts of the earth Jews that spoke different languages from different parts of the earth gathered there on the day of Pentecost and so you know, Peter may have been speaking one language. John may have been speaking another. Uh, Thomas may have been speaking another. And James may be speaking another. And Matthew speaking another. And and every man heard the gospel in his own language. He says all these that speak. And I don't even really think that it was just the apostles. I think there was personal witnessing by all. After all, there was 120 in that upper room praying, not just 12. And see, this is the, this is the natural outworking of communion with God. Some of you, if you've ever watched the movie Sheffy, you know there's a scene in that where you know Shafi uh could never get up it seems like he could never get up in front of people and speak he said he could never do that and he's staying with this this elderly woman who he's staying with for a period of time he's teaching school and and you know he he does eventually preach and and he says and and he's telling talking having a, having a conversation with her and he said it's like i've got he said it's like i've got You know, I've never been able to speak before, but it's like like I have a a letter from God. And she said, well, maybe it's just you never had nothing worth saying before. You know, if you spend communion with God, the natural outworking of that is going to be, you're going to want to tell it. Jeremiah in chapter 20, he, he suffered persecution all through his ministry and... And you know, he's even his own family was against him. And, and so he said, I'm just going to shut my mouth. I'm not going to mention anymore his name. But he said, His word was in mine heart as a burning fire. And I was weary with forbearing. No, in other I was weary not telling about it, not prophesying, not preaching. So, these all began to witness. There was was preaching and witnessing. There was witnessing of these people. And I believe that the the fruit of the 3,000 saved on the day of Pentecost were the results of many people witnessing concerning the person of Christ. Of course... And so, you know, this, was, this again is a result of them being empowered by the Spirit of God. You know, they witnessed in public, they witnessed in private. Wherever they went, that was the command that was given to them. Acts chapter 8 tells us they went everywhere preaching the gospel. You know, wherever we go in the world, in our own little world, we're to be a witness unto him. Your know, God has put us in places for a reason. He's put us in places to be a witness and testimony for Him, and so that's the program. That's the program of the church, of the people of the church. Is we're to witness, we're to make disciples of men. You know, confront people with the gospel, and it is confronting. But, you know, well, some people say, well, you need to let just people decide for themselves. Well, they do need to decide for themselves, but they need to be confronted. Jesus confronted people. If you don't confront them, will they ever have the opportunity You know, and so we need, but we need the wisdom. We need the power of God. And that is through the communion with the word of God, through prayer and the spirit of God. So that we can have, we can be an effective witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's the program that God has given his church. It hasn't changed. It still is. And so might the Lord help us as we enter into this new year of 2022 to be faithful as a witness testifying of the grace of our God and the salvation through Christ.